No, that's not a picture of me on the screen. But it does, that slide does announce a new series I want to begin starting today, Wise and Otherwise. We're going to focus in on the teaching in the book of Proverbs, some of the themes that are set out there. And at the very heart of the sage's view of the world was that God has created this world with a, a kind of integrity, a moral order. And the task of human beings is to understand that order and live in conformity with it, to cooperate with it, to abide by it. It is through living according to God's order that you find well-being and happiness. Not invariably because, well, sin has invaded this world and things do go wrong. Bad things do happen to good people. Good actions are not always rewarded. Though in the end, God tells us that he will put all things right. But in the meantime, in the meantime, in spite of all seeming exceptions, the best way to find happiness, to find fulfillment, to live a good life is to discover the order of God's creation and adapt to it. Now, that is not what our culture teaches us to do. Our culture teaches us that we should do our own thing our own way. We should consult our own wants, our own desires, and then the whole world needs to conform to it, needs to conform to us, needs to make sure that we find fulfillment and happiness in whatever our whims might be. But that's not the way of wisdom, at least as set out in Scripture. So that's where we're going. Let me give you a preview of what's ahead. If you'd go ahead and put up the slide. Wise and otherwise, we begin with otherwise, a rogue's gallery. If you read through Proverbs, you'll see there are certain personalities that show up again and again, and they're, they're distinct in certain ways. The simple, the fool, the sluggard, and the scoffer. We're going to take a week with each one of these. So there's a little bit of all four in all of us, so this might smart a bit over the next month. But then Proverbs also lays out some very important truths about a well-ordered life, friendship, marriage, parenthood, words, and wealth, and we're going to look at that as well, finishing up with Jesus more than a sage. In fact, he is the very incarnation of wisdom. So that's where we're heading. This morning, we're going to talk about the simple, or if you prefer, the simpleton. In Hebrew, it's piti, and that refers to a person who is easily influenced, not someone who's actively evil, hardened in sin, but someone who's naive and gullible who tends to follow the crowd or at least their peer group. Someone who can be led along and doesn't think seriously about life. The inexperienced, the untrained. Often Proverbs speaks of this person as young, but not all young people are simple and not all seniors are wise. So as I say, there's a little bit of the simpleton in all of us. What I want to do over the next few minutes is read a number of scriptures that 
set out the characteristics of the simple. Because it's important for us to understand how it is that the simpleton misses the order of God and thereby misses the good life. One of the first things that, that is apparent as you read through Proverbs is that the simpleton, well, they want to have a good time. They're all about the moment. And they take delight in folly when they ought instead to avoid it. So in Proverbs 15, 21, it says, folly brings joy to the one who has no sense, to the thoughtless person. But whoever has understanding keeps a straight course. You know, there are some people, there are some people that like the idea of deviating off the straight course. You know, you only live once. Break the rules. Have a good time. I want to party. I want to, I want to really get everything I want out of life. And so they delight in folly. And because they delight in folly, they don't want to give it up. They don't want to let it go, and they don't want to think about the future and what the consequences may be. And that's another characteristic of the simple person. They delight in what they ought to shun, and they don't look forward at all. They are all about the moment. So again, in Proverbs 22, 3, listen to what it says. The prudent see danger and take refuge, but the simple keep going and pay the penalty. So the wise person, the wise person knows that they have to think in terms of long term. And the wise person knows that choices we make today have consequences, but that's not the simple. The simple person thinks that they can live any way they want and it'll all be okay. They don't need to worry about that. Just live in the moment, enjoy the moment. That's what life is all about. You don't know that you have tomorrow. So you do as you wish and you don't worry and you bumble yourself all the way into disaster. Just keep going on and then pay the price for it. It happens all the time. And when it does, how often do people want to blame God? I can't believe God allowed this to happen. When in fact, their choices all along were taking them to that destination. Again, I am not suggesting that it's all cause and effect in life. Things go wrong and we face difficult times. I get that. We all get that. But as a rule, the world works if you work with it, if you follow the ways of God. And so many people, the simple, don't do that. In fact, one of the ways that the simple ignores consequences is they like to flirt with temptation. They don't want in their minds to go all the way there, but they kind of want to flirt with the idea because it's intriguing. Maybe, maybe there's something there that I might miss. See, they are gullible and foolish enough to think that you can flirt with temptation without being drawn into it and destroyed by sin. Let me read to you a graphic picture of that from Proverbs 7. The Bible doesn't hold back. In this case, it has to do with a young man who gets too close to an immoral woman's home. Look what it says. Chapter 7, starting at verse 6. At the window of my house, I looked down through the lattice. 
I saw among the simple, I noticed among the young men, a youth who had no sense. Literally in the Hebrew, no heart. The Hebrews thought of the heart as being the location of your thoughts, at least your, your most important thoughts. So basically saying, I saw someone utterly thoughtless, this untrained youth. Verse 8, he was going down the street near her corner. Who is she? Her corner. Walking along in the direction of her house. Oh, innocently, no doubt. Oh, he's just taking a walk. He's just taking a walk. But lo and behold, here, here he is walking along near her house. There's even a sense in which he's crossing over to come near to her house. When, verse 9, at twilight, as the day was feeding, uh, fading, as the dark night set in. It's starting to look less innocent isn't it? So here he is wandering by her house. It's dark. People can't see him. But you know what? He's not, he's not doing anything. He's just out taking a walk. Apparently innocent decisions being made here. Verse 10, then out came a woman to meet him, dressed like a prostitute and with crafty intent. She took hold of him and kissed him, and with a brazen face, she said, Today I have fulfilled my vows, and I have food from my fellowship offering at home. So I came out to meet you. I looked for you, and I have found you. I have covered my bed with colored linens from Egypt. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let us drink deeply of love till morning. Let us enjoy ourselves with love. My husband is not at home, and he has gone on a long journey. He took his purse filled with money and will not be home till full moon. With persuasive words, she led him astray. She seduced him with her smooth talk. And then notice this, all at once he followed her. Now, that's a strange phrase to me, all at once? I mean, he's, he's intentionally walked by her house at twilight, and then she comes out to meet him. But all at once now, it seems like he's been on this path for a long time. Well, he has been on that path, but psychologically, not so much. Psychologically, he's just out taking a walk. And then she comes, and with her words, she seduces him, and in a moment, all at once, he goes with her. His will caves immediately. He doesn't think that's going to happen. He's flirting with the temptation, but now, now he caves immediately. And look what it says. All at once, he followed her, like an ox going to the slaughter, like a deer stepping into a noose till an arrow pierces his liver, like a bird darting into a snare, little knowing it will cost him his life. See, he thinks he's just deviating from this straight and narrow path. He's just 
taking delight in a little folly, but he's actually on a very clear path and the path ends in death. That's what it says in Proverbs. So here's this simple one, means no evil, not an evil person, and yet he plays with the temptation and sooner or later it's inevitable the sin that tempts him will take him in and swallow him up and destroy him. Wow, that's quite a strong word, isn't it? But that's what happens with the person who is easily influenced, easily led. The person who's naive, who doesn't see that what you choose today has consequences later, who doesn't understand that life is serious business. Now, you can be sure that others will see the simplicity in this, the foolishness and folly of it, and they will say something, but so often the simple, they don't want to hear it. They don't want to hear it. They're not worried. They feel safe in life. They just live in their life, their best life, and they're not worried about that. Don't you go laying all that on them. Well, the Scripture also talks about that. Let me read to you from Proverbs 1, starting in verse 20. It begins with wisdom personified as a person, okay? And listen to what wisdom says. Out in the open, wisdom calls aloud. She raises her voice in the public square. On top of the wall, she cries out. At the city gate, she makes her speech. You see, this isn't something in a corner, Wisdom is crying out for everyone to hear, going to all the public places so that all can hear if they will. And what does wisdom say? She asks a question. How long will you who are simple love your simple ways? How long will mockers delight in mockery and fools hate knowledge? Repent at my rebuke. Then I will pour out my thoughts on you. I will make known to you my teachings. But since you refuse to listen when I call, and no one pays attention when I stretch out my hand, since you disregard all my advice and do not accept my rebuke, here it comes, I in turn will laugh when disaster strikes you. I will mock when calamity overtakes you. When calamity overtakes you like a storm, when disaster sweeps over you like a whirlwind, when distress and trouble overwhelm you, then you will call to me, but I will not answer. Then you will look for me, but you will not find me, since you hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. This is not God speaking. That is, this is not the Scripture saying that God will not listen to the person who calls out to him. This is wisdom personified, and the message is this. You didn't want wisdom. You thought you knew, and you went your own way. And when disaster falls and you start looking for wisdom to get you out, there will be no getting out of it. There will be no rescue. You say, you make your bed, you sleep in it. That's what it says. That doesn't mean God abandons anyone. 
But it means sometimes we have to reap the consequences, and we do. That's what it says, verse 30. Since they would not accept my advice and spurned my rebuke, they will eat the fruit of their ways and be filled with the fruit of their schemes. For the, get this, the waywardness of the simple will kill them, and the complacency of fools will destroy them. But whoever listens to me will live in safety and be at ease without fear of harm. Whoever listens to me, whoever listens to wisdom, whoever, whoever shapes their life according to the will of God, they will not fear. They will not live you know, in, in terror, but will know that God watches over them. They are taking actions that bear fruit for good. That's what it's saying. But those who don't, they will deal with the consequences. So what must be done? Well, wisdom cries out and says, repent at my rebuke. In the Hebrew, shuv, that means to turn. In other words, you simple one who just goes the way of the world, who just allows people who don't know God to set the path for you. You simple ones that are careless about life and think that you can just live any way today and it doesn't have consequences in the end. You need to turn from that and turn to me. See, the first step to getting wisdom is coveting wisdom, desiring wisdom, seeking wisdom, longing for wisdom. That's where it all begins. So you repent, you turn to me. It says, I will pour out my thoughts upon you. Pour out my thoughts. Um, the picture is of a, of, a, of a spring of water gushing forth. Wisdom says, if you will turn from that folly to me, I will grant you insight into life. And so it really begins with repenting. But one way we can talk about this, and I want to, is let's fast forward over to the New Testament. Now, I can't prove this this morning, when I get to Jesus and, and Jesus being more than a sage at the very end of this series, I'm going to try to show you that in the New Testament, Jesus is understood to be wisdom incarnate. You want to know wisdom? Jesus himself is wisdom. That's why to gain wisdom is really nothing more than to be a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, to be a disciple of Christ. As we follow in his way, we walk in the way of wisdom. Now, you can't know his way apart from the whole Bible. All of Scripture is part of it. But as we walk in his way, we walk in wisdom. Now, in the Israel's wisdom tradition, they always spoke of two ways, two ways. There's the way of wisdom and righteousness and the way of foolishness and sin. Those are the two ways. Have you ever noticed how Jesus often speaks that way as well? Because he is more than a sage, but he is a sage. So he talks about building your house on either the sand or a rock. When a storm comes, if you built on the sand, it's going to crash down. If you've built on a rock, that storm will not bring your house down. What is the difference between those who build on the sand and those who build on the rock? Do you remember? What's the difference? It's not who heard his teaching. It's what? Those who do it. 
If you hear but don't do, that's building on the sand. If you hear but do it, that's building on the rock. In other words, it's conforming your life to the way of God. And that way is set out in Jesus Christ. To live in that way is to walk in wisdom. It's to build on a rock. It's to have your life thrive according to the purpose and will of God. All too many Christians are simpletons. All too many Christians think that they can just kind of coast along without a care, not realizing that life is serious. It's joyful, or sometimes it is, and there are many pleasures in life, but those pleasures lead us astray and do us great damage if they become ends in themselves. I want to invite you to join me over the next weeks in redoubling our effort to study the Scriptures, to understand the way of God, and to live according to that way. In our church, we have lots of opportunities to better understand the Word of God And we try to encourage one another in life groups, for example. We try to encourage one another to live according to that way. That's important, and there are consequences. We'll see how living according to that way in one's friendships and marriage and in parenting with their children and in their words and their wealth makes all the difference. But I want to invite you to make that commitment this morning. In a way, I feel a little bit like someone who says, hey, here's a great diet. You can lose 25 pounds, but, but you can't lose it in a day, right? So it's not like you're saying, come forward to the altar, pour out your heart, and the 20 pounds will be gone. If only, if only. I can't say, all right, The way is the way of wisdom. Come to the altar and become wise. It doesn't work like that. A diet may actually actually lead to losing 25 pounds, but it's going to be a process and it's going to be a discipline. It's the same way with wisdom. But what a benefit and what a life. As it says here, whoever listens to me will live in safety and be at ease without fear of harm. Amen. Pray with me. Father, we thank you that you have marked out the way of life for us through the Lord Jesus Christ. And we thank you, Lord, that we don't have to invent our own life, Lord, but we can follow your leadership and that you've given us your truth in the scriptures, Lord, teaching us teaching us the way this world works and how we must adapt the moral order in which we live. Lord, thank you for that. And we ask you to help us to turn, Lord, to that. Some of us need to repent. There are areas in our lives where we've gone astray. We've gone astray. There are areas where we're flirting with temptation. And Lord, we need to turn from that. God, give grace this morning the grace of repentance to everyone who's seeking you for it now. And we pray, Lord, for those who have have gotten far off the path. 
They're living in the shadows and they want to live with you. May you empower them by your spirit now to surrender their will and to receive you as Lord and Savior. We pray it, trusting in your mighty power to make it so. Amen.